Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Do you have problems with belly fat, endometriosis, fibroids, or maybe you're worried about getting cancer? And all of these, did you know, have a root cause of inflammation? Well, if so, you're in the right place today on the Wild Wisdom Show. We're going to be talking about specific dietary strategy that will help reduce inflammation that contributes to this and more more conditions, as well as reducing your risk of cancer. And this is proven by research. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm a holistic medical doctor with a root cause approach to health. And today we're going to be covering a very fascinating study that I came across that actually changed the way that I eat. Uh, and it helped me reduce issues with inflammation in my health. So I really wanted to share this with you today. And so we're going to be talking about a specific combination of vegetables that was shown in research to reduce inflammation and reduce risk of cancer, which is really fascinating. First, what we should probably touch on is what is inflammation and what is its relationship to cancer and other conditions like endometriosis and fibroids and PCOS and hypertension and diabetes and obesity and belly fat and more. So inflammation is basically when the body's uh, immune system, which many of us are not familiar with, the immune system is, um, you know, the part of the body that's responsible for fighting off foreign invaders uh, and for defending the body from injury and, and uh, attack. And it gets activated um, under various different circumstances. So if you get an infection, it can get activated. Uh, if you're exposed to any kind of toxins in your food or your drink, it gets activated. Ultra processed foods will cause it to be activated, excess sugar, excess stress, even too much exercise, too little exercise, too much alcohol, right? So noticing a theme, there are things in our everyday living that are activating inflammation. And what the research is very clear on is that once you get a certain amount of inflammation going in the body... Uh, we call it chronic, like it's day in, day out, right? Like a like a inflammation from a virus or bacterial infection, those come and go, and then the immune system system settles down. It's when we're constantly being exposed to things, and that inflammation is just like a daily event. That's when it starts to become a problem. And research has conclusively, definitively linked this inflammation as a root cause for all of those conditions I mentioned, including cancer which is, you know, very interesting because cancer is on the rise, as are all of those conditions that I mentioned. And so I really want you to pay attention to this information because you can actually antidote the inflammation with food as medicine. And this is what I'm going to be teaching you about today. And Ying Cheng is saying, hi, hi, Ying Cheng. Thanks for joining me today. And for those who are joining me live, please feel free to put in your questions. I would love to answer them for you. 
And so research alert, there actually is a specific amount and a specific variety of vegetables that have been proven to reduce inflammation and uh, risk for cancer in humans. Specifically, the study was in women. I'm assuming it would also apply to men, but isn't it interesting they did the study just in women because not a lot of research is done just on women. So I'm very excited to get these results. And then you might be asking me, well, why would vegetables <laughs> reduce inflammation and cancer? And here's a hint. It's not just the fiber, although the fiber could be you know, an important piece uh, fiber is important for many functions in the body, the gut microbiome, the organisms in your gut that are living there, break it down into very helpful nutrients like ketones, like butyrate, and our body uses that as clean fuel for energy. And fiber also is important for detoxification because it binds toxins that our body eliminates into the gut, and it gets rid of those toxins. So yes, there is a certain amount of vegetables that can be helpful to provide the kind of fiber that you need. But if you were to just take a fiber supplement, for example, you would be missing out on a key component of vegetables' ability to reduce inflammation, which is their polyphenols or phytonutrients. And if you've never heard of this before, these are natural chemicals created by plants and in nature, the purpose of these chemicals is it's like the plant's defense system against things in the environment that would attack them. So it's the plant's defense system against too much UV radiation, against viruses, parasites, infections for themselves as well. Interestingly, they're what give plants their color, which is really, really cool. Um, and what we have found is that in the human body, when we eat these nutrients, so it's it's a nutrient that's not not a calorie nutrient. So it doesn't, it's not a fat, it's not a protein, it's not a carb. It's a molecule that has very potent anti-inflammatory effects in the body. And it also helps the liver detoxify. When the liver is detoxifying uh, all kinds of toxins like the microplastics and the pesticides and the heavy metals like mercury and lead, it needs phytonutrients to help put out the fire of inflammation that happens in the liver as a result of that detoxification process. So it's beautiful. We were designed to coexist with nature in this way. And some examples of phytonutrients that have been studied, uh, you may be familiar with some of them, but they're flavonols, flavones, isoflavones, and then there's the famous resveratrol, there's curcumin from turmeric, there's tannins, lignans from things like flax seeds and phenolic acids. There's more than that, but these are ones that have been very, very deeply studied. And so eating the rainbow, so to speak, actually helps you um, prevent and reduce and treat inflammation. But it's not just about eating your broccoli, okay? This research is fascinating because um, this, these researchers, and they published a study in 2006, and it's called Dietary Botanical Diversity Affects the Reduction of Oxidative Biomarkers in Women Due to High Vegetable and Fruit Intake. <clears throat> and I'm going to break this down for you very, like, on a very practical level, like what you're going to start eating as of today <clears throat> if you want to reduce inflammation and your risk of cancer. And so notice here, they have the words dietary botanical diversity, which means that there was a variety of plants 
plus uh, high intake. So there was a volume that they studied because they found that when they were just looking at volume, like how much vegetables and fruits uh, people were eating, they were getting some effect, but not as much effect as they wanted on people's health and on inflammation, for example. So this time they looked at, well, let's look at variety. So they took 106 women here and they divided these women into two groups. And both groups, what they got the same, what both groups got the same was that they had to eat eight to 10 servings of vegetables and fruits a day for 14 days. And so more vegetables than fruits was encouraged. And they had to have at least 30% of their energy coming from fat. So this was not a plant-based diet. This was a diet that was plant-rich. About 18% of their pro uh, um, calorie intake had to come from protein. And about 52% from carbohydrate. Now, this is percent of energy. So it's not like you're looking at your plate and you see you know, 30% volume is fat and 18% volume is protein. Um, but what that ends up roughly looking like is that you have um, a pro something that has protein in it that's about the size of the palm of your hand, roughly speaking. And then about half of your plate um, is covered in vegetables and you might have like a serving of fruit for a dessert or a serving of fruit for a snack. Um, and then the fat comes from things like maybe if you're having animal meat, there's fat in that. You might be adding some olive oil to your vegetables. And hopefully you are because we do need healthy fats to build your brain and your hormones. And so this is, you know, they were trying to really standardize, uh, make the same between both groups. Um, and you might think, oh, my gosh, eight to 10 servings a day. That's kind of insane. Like, how do you do that? Well, one serving is, um, for example, a half a cup of cooked green or orange veggies, such as broccoli, spinach, carrots, or pumpkins. So that's not a lot when you think about it. If you if you if you cook and you and you think about like a cup and then a half a cup of cooked vegetables, for example, that's that's not a lot. Um, so if you're going to be doing you know three meals a day. And uh, eight to 10 servings. So let's say two of those servings are fruit. So now you're looking at six to eight servings of um, vegetables and uh, vegetables a day. Then you're looking at between two to three cups. Uh, no, sorry, yeah, about two cups of cooked vegetables with each meal, roughly speaking. Okay. Um, also, half a cup of cooked beans, peas, or lentils is a serving or one cup of like a green leafy raw salad veggie uh, or raw, raw salad veggie. So if you're not cooking your food, then it's it's like a cup, right? So basically one cup of raw vegetables is a serving. When you cook it down, it ends up being about a half a cup. <clears throat> if you're looking at sweet corn, it's half a cup and it would be half a medium sized potato, right? Um, so in terms of the fruits, uh, the fruits are one tomato. Did you know tomatoes are fruit? <laughs> so one tomato would be one fruit. And then a medium apple, a banana orange would be a serving or a pear would be a serving. Smaller fruits like apricots, kiwi fruits or plums, you'd have, you'd, two would be one serving. And if you're eating diced or canned fruit, that would be about one cup. So no added sugar. Now, here's a practical tip. Um, my experience personally and with a lot of women that I've worked with through various like my health promotion programs and clinically, um, 
I find that we, we generally speaking, as we age, we have to cook our vegetables more because our digestive power decreases partially with age, partially because we do have some problems with gut health as a, as a result of our exposure to ultra processed foods and excess sugar, unless you're a very clean eater, you know, it's hard to avoid that. But generally speaking, as we age, we lose digestive power. That is very commonly known and accepted. Um, and when we cook our vegetables, it helps break down that cellulose structure, um, which also, by the way, makes certain phytonutrients more bioavailable, better absorbed by the body, like the carotenoids and carrots are better absorbed when they're cooked. And particularly if they're eaten with a source of fat, like olive oil. Okay, so that's just a practical tip. Um, I do eat a small salad with my meals, but actually the bulk of my vegetable intake comes from steamed, sauteed, blanched, roasted, baked vegetables with olive oil, some healthy sea salt to taste, uh, and vinegar to help with my blood sugar balance. So I'm just throwing in some very helpful tips for you as we go along. Now, what is the difference between the two groups? So group one was the high botanical diversity, and they had to get um, at least one fruit or vegetable from 18 different botanical families. So they had at least 18 different kinds of fruits and vegetables over those two weeks. And for most of them, it was even more. <clears throat> In group two, they could only choose from eight different botanical families. And that's, I think, a lot of a lot of us are generally eating, like, you know, we'll eat our broccoli and our cabbage and our cauliflower, maybe some spinach and kale. There's not a lot of variety outside of that. You know, maybe carrots, a lot of us eat corn and potatoes. Um, and and that's, a, that's about it, right? So I'm going to be showing you how they actually got this variety because the results between the two groups was markedly different. So what they did is they collected blood and urine samples, um, and what they what they were looking for were signs of cellular damage that causes inflammation. So they actually looked at the cells, like the um, our cells are mostly made up of fat called lipids. So they looked at lipid peroxidation, lipid damage, and then they also looked at DNA damage. And there's a urine marker that you can test for that, which if you you know, recall, or I don't know if you know this, but cancer, one of the root causes of cancer is, is damage to DNA and inflammation causes DNA damage and hence one of the links between inflammation and cancer. So if you can reduce that through a dietary strategy, that can be very, very powerful. And uh, I do have a, a question here from um, Shari. She's saying, what's a recommendation of a good olive oil? You know what? It's interesting because what I look for, uh, and it really depends on what's available in my local store. Um, I like it when, they're, when it's extra virgin. So if it just says olive oil or pure olive oil, um, and it doesn't say extra virgin olive oil, then I would not buy it unless it says extra virgin olive oil. That means it's been first pressed, mechanically pressed, no um, chemicals have been used to remove that olive oil, um, which can be the case if it just says olive oil, because then they'll take the, after that first mechanical pressing where they squeeze out the olive oil, they can take the leftover bits and then run chemicals through it to remove the any residual olive oil and then use that olive oil. So I wouldn't want that. I would want the first cold pressed uh, olive oil. I prefer organic because toxins do ac accumulate in oils. Um, 
Certain countries may not label their olive oil organic, but they have organic growing practices like Italy. But if you're buying olive oil from Italy, make sure it actually was picked in Italy. Sometimes they will ship oil, um, olives from other countries to Italy, and then Italy will pack it <clears throat> and then sell it. So Italy is a good country. Uh, Greece is another good country, right? So you want to do your homework and just make sure it's it's a country um, if it doesn't say organic, that they have good or um, organic growing practices. Um, and then if you get really nitty gritty, you might want to look at like the expiry date and it should have one and, and the picking date and it should be fairly fresh. It should be in a bottle that is uh, amber, so dark colored and glass. So you don't want to buy your olive oil in a plastic bottle because it'll leach. It'll pull the plastic into the olive oil. So I hope that helps Sherry answer your question. So when they did this, they collected the blood and urine samples. Uh, what they found was actually kind of surprising. So both groups had less damage to cells from inflammation, which is amazing. And that's what the researchers had found before is that if you eat a high amount of vegetables and some fruits, you will get less inflammation, which is awesome. But it wasn't the low botanical variety group did not have less DNA damage. They didn't reduce inflammation enough to protect their DNA. The group that had high botanical diversity did. These women who are eating high botanical diversity, and I'm going to get into what that means in the nitty gritty kind of way, um, they had less DNA damage, which is huge, right? I mean, who doesn't want that? So let's get really, really practical. Okay, um, and I'm going to teach you exactly what did group one eat specifically. Shari is, has a follow-up question saying, what about California olive oil? I would have to, you know, I'm not familiar with the California olive oil. What I do when I'm looking into an olive oil is I will actually look at the company that is producing it. I would even call the farms that they're pulling it from and ask them about their growing practices. So it really depends. And so rather than giving you a specific stamp of approval on California olive oil, I would say, look into the brand, um, do the research. And then from that point onwards, you will always be confident that that's a really good quality olive oil that you're buying. It's worth the time to do that kind of research. And then you can sit back from then on and feel confident that it's a good quality oil. And that those are the questions you want to ask them is about their picking practices. Um, you know, look at the bottle and look at their organic growing practices. So what did group one eat specifically? Okay. <clears throat> so and I'm going to give you like um, the, the different botanical families. It's kind of interesting to learn about this, actually. So, for example, cabbage, broccoli and radish, they all come from the cruciferous family. And what you need to know is that each botanical family has its own um, set of phytonutrients. It has its own complement. It's like a different color from the rainbow. And so when you eat uh, food from each different family, botanical family, you are eating a different complement, a different menu of phytonutrients. So if you're just eating cabbage and broccoli and radish and uh, other, you know, Brussels sprouts, mustard greens, kale, they all come from the cruciferous family. It's very healthy and you're getting a, a certain menu of phytonutrients, but you're not getting all of the phytonutrients that are out there that combine, that this research shows, combine to work together 
to protect your DNA. So these women, they would eat at least one of cabbage, broccoli, or radish, or other vegetables from the cruciferous family, at least one of spinach, Swiss chard, and beet, at least one of artichoke, endive, or lettuce. And if you're listening to this, and you want to know the names of the botanical families, I have them up on my YouTube channel on the video and you can watch it. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce them because I honestly don't even know how to say them. They're in Latin, so I don't want to butcher the words. And I don't think it matters so much as to say, but I just want to give you an idea as to variety. What does variety mean? Like what are when you're going to the grocery store and you're walking around looking at your fruits and vegetables, what are you trying to buy? Okay. Um, they would eat uh, sweet potatoes from its own family. Mushrooms are from its own family. At least one of the legume family, leguminosize, that's chickpeas, lentils, and soybeans. These you want to buy organic. Beans are a heavily sprayed crop. Okay? Um, at least one of corn or bamboo shoots. At least one of chive, garlic, onion, or scallions. So these are really good for chopping up and kind of sauteing in with your vegetables. At least one of carrot, celery, parsnip, and parsley. I actually didn't know that parsley was in the same botanical family as carrots and celery and parsnip. So that was cool. Um, and then in terms of fruits, they would have, they could choose from like a grape or a kiwi or a pineapple. They could choose banana or plantain. Um, apples, peaches, and strawberries would be from the same botanical family. Cucumbers, zucchinis, and melons were from the same botanical family. Tomatoes, eggplants, and peppers are from the nightshade family. Some people have um, food sensitivities to those. So if you notice that for yourself, like uh, achy joints, for example, is commonly reported for people who have food sensitivity. You know, you just want to tune into that for yourself. Um, and then there's the grapefruit versus orange versus lemon or lime. So what you're trying to do is when you go to the grocery store is you're you're just trying to get a little bit out of your comfort zone and, you know, pick different foods that you would normally not cook with. So the other day I went and grabbed an eggplant, you know, and I kind of looked up how do you prepare eggplant? Uh, and I tried some artichoke, you know, and even sometimes I'll get some canned um, artichokes, you know, making sure there's no un unwanted preservatives just to make life easy. You know, you just chop up the artichokes, throw them in there, um, pomegranate seeds, throw them in there, grab some olives and even different colored olives like black olives versus green olives, right? All the different herbs, throwing in some dill, um, some sage, some parsley, um, you know, just really uh, cilantro if you like the taste of that. It's really about mixing it up and creating variety so that you get that full-bodied phytonutrient spectrum that people are looking for, right? That, that in terms of reducing inflammation and reducing your risk for cancer, that DNA damage. So yes, eating a high fruits and vegetable diet quantity will help with inflammation that is contributing, for example, to the fibroids, to the endometriosis, to the belly fat. Belly fat comes from inflammation. It doesn't necessarily come from eating too much food. Although overeating can definitely cause inflammation, but it comes from, um, you know, inflammation from all the sources I mentioned at the beginning, the ultra processed foods, the excess sugar, the excess alcohol, um, the excess toxins, you know, overeating, overexercising in some cases, right? Some people overexercise and get belly fat and it's so confusing to them. Like I'm doing everything right and I'm exercising and yet I've got this belly fat. So it's, you know, I find that women these days, they're kind of sometimes over-exercising and undernourishing. 
And so sometimes it's dialing, you know, putting the exercise into a healthy zone, upping the vegetable uh, intake. Again, cooking it is very highly recommended. I don't recommend you eating a massive salad all the time. It can, that can eventually be hard on your digestion. Um, And so getting that variety of these cooked vegetables, like I mentioned before. And so the take home message is to prevent or reduce inflammation eat eight to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day. I would personally recommend for blood sugar balance, keeping the fruits to, you know, two servings and the vegetables to eight servings. Um, And then to prevent or reduce cancer, the risk of cancer, include variety and really, really focus on this. Okay. I did have um, one more question that came from a viewer is like, what, at what hospital am I at residence in? Uh, I'm used to be a staff at the uh, rehabilitation hospital in Vancouver, Canada. And now I am in clinical practice, private clinical practice and doing health promotion programs. So I am not, I am no longer associated specifically with a um, with a hospital, um, and uh, Micheline here is saying uh, hi. So glad I had time to catch part of this. Um, I just wanted to say I continue to to do well in healing. Thanks to you. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. Oh, that's so wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that. This kind of these kind of things work. And look at this. Micheline is saying my inflammation has been down and my endometriosis is under control as far as pain goes. Oh, that's so wonderful. And for those of you who aren't aware, I've done a whole endometriosis series. You can go on YouTube on my playlist. If you're watching this, uh, listening to this as a podcast, just go back and catch my endometriosis series. And um, I really hope that you benefit from this. If you've been enjoying this today, and thank you, Sherry, for sharing that you've been appreciating this information. If you've been enjoying this today, please feel free to subscribe and to save and to share. Sharing is caring. The more women and men as well who know this information, uh, the more, you know, the, the better that everybody will be as a result of this. So thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you next week. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, your night, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 